Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. Paris is underway. Rafa Nadal is back. Novak Djokovic trying to get to the number one spot. Roger Federer, 99th title in Basel, and Anderson Nishikori, and a good final in Vienna. We will get to all that uh, over the next, what I'm going to guess, let's see how close I am, about 27 minutes. I know you can see how close I am already. Um, And then also on-court coaching. Maybe I'll go quick on that because for some reason um, that discussion has been very prominent on social media recently. Uh, But I want to start with Paris. As I just said, Nadal is back. Uh, The situation is that it's basically a dead heat right now. If Nadal does better in Paris, actually, if Nadal does as well as Djokovic or better, he will remain number one in the world going into the ATP finals. And if Djokovic does better uh, under any circumstance, one round better, it doesn't matter what round, Djokovic will take over as number one in the world. So, um... My position going into this tournament is that Djokovic is a very, very heavy favorite. Uh, I think the the conditions in Paris are are good for him. I always think Djokovic plays, uh, I think his game's great for indoor hardcourt, and I think he's at the top of his game right now. He would agree, by the way, that he is at the top of his game right now. He's not saying, you know, I, I I, I think I can play even better than I'm at right now. He's saying... No, this I'm playing really well. Ever since the U.S. Open, uh, Djokovic has been on fire, so he's the clear favorite here. No way around it. What I've done here is I've compiled um, a power ranking, five names. Uh, and these five people, in my opinion, have the best chance, and I ranked them in order, to beat Novak Djokovic. But I actually think that this list is going to surprise you because this list is very unconventional. It's unconventional because of Federer's form, because of Nadal's form, and just because of what I think the nature of this time of year is. I think it's a strange time of year where players are probably thinking a lot about going home, thinking a lot about the offseason. And, you know, also I think that some of, some of the kind of dark horses on tour um, can make a leap at this time of year because maybe there's a little bit less pressure and they can try new things and they can play a little bit freer. To be honest, I don't know why. I don't really know. I know I just said reasons, but I don't know why this time of year is weird, but it tends to be. Uh, and last year, as I've mentioned, it was Jack Sock who, who won the Paris Masters. There's no chance he's doing that again. Although he does have a nice draw. 
to get to the second round. Um, trying to think his draw. I think he, I think he faces Gaz K next, which is pretty favorable for him. He's three and zero against Gaz K, and he's beaten him twice on indoor hard courts. Just a little nugget for you there. So let's get to this list. Before that, let's take a look at the thumbnail. It's Roger Federer, arms raised, just has just won his 99th career title in Basel. And we'll start with number five. And number five is Rafa Nadal. And I said this list is going to surprise you. You're probably surprised by how low Nadal is. He's really, really good at coming back from injury. It's something, I mean, he's probably the best at it. He comes back and, you know, we've seen him him win titles after long hiatuses. I know like Rio a few years ago, he was out for, you know, maybe close to half a year. He comes back, wins Rio. Uh... He's very unique that way. But to come back on an indoor hard court is just not ideal for, for Nadal. I mean, he's, he's, it's, this is his worst surface by far. And I just don't think if he played Novak right now, with how well these, those two, these two guys know each other, um, I would just have trouble seeing Djokovic faltering to a Nadal on an indoor hardcourt when Rafa's probably not even revved up to 100%. It's hard to see something strange happening when these two guys are so used to each other and, and, and know each other so well. It's the kind of scenario where it's hard, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be that many surprises here where if you look at like the Wimbledon, the Wimbledon final, it was pretty easy to predict that this was going to be a close match just because of the form that they're on, that, that those two were on. When it comes to a French Open final over the, over the years, you know, it's been pretty easy to favor Nadal in Roland Garros finals against Djokovic. I mean, it's just been kind of easy. So in this case, it's pretty easy to, to say that Djokovic would beat Rafa if they played in Paris just because of – I just – yeah, I, I've already said any, everything. So, um, number four, it's Roger Federer. Federer is not at the top of his game right now, and I wanna—I'll get more into it. Talking about his run in Basel, which was a uh, an up and down run where he had to fight really hard against opponents that he should beat much more easily um, in his home tournament on an indoor hard court. Uh, but he didn't. He had to kind of fight his way through a lot of matches. But the reality is, Roger Federer has not looked great since Wimbledon, since he lost at Wimbledon. It hasn't been a very good second half. It hasn't been a convincing second half. For a 37-year-old, it's been pretty good. But for a, a, a contender, a title contender, when it comes to beating a guy like Djokovic in form, when it comes to winning majors, he's not there right now. I don't think it's time to panic, as I'll get into, and I think he really needs this offseason. He needs to, to go back to the lab. He needs to rethink his game. He needs to mentally reset. He needs to get a little bit fresher. Uh, I, I'm not seeing red flags at a Roger Federer's game. Like I'm not, I don't think he's slow right now. I don't think... I don't think he, he's physically incapable of winning. I just think that his game is going in and out and in and out. And to me, that just spells fatigue. It spells a lack of confidence. And those are two things that the offseason can fix. 
again, I'd just be really shocked if Feder upset Djokovic. If Djokovic is going to lose, I feel like it's to a guy he'll be a little bit more uncomfortable with, a little bit more of an unknown. Someone who can kind of bring more new things to the table that Djokovic hasn't seen. Djokovic is going to be so comfortable against Federer and Nadal right now. And he's going to feel really confident. He'd be on he'd he'd have a lot of swagger against those guys uh just in you know because he's the alpha at the moment. He's vying for that number 1 spot and I just this is a lot of a gut thing. I just don't feel Federer and Nadal beating Djokovic here. I think it's more likely that the next 3 guys could beat Novak Djokovic. And number three is Karen Hatchinoff. Um, Hatchie won Moscow when the conditions, are, you know, an, an indoor con- conditions are great for serve. You don't, you never have to deal with the wind kind of affecting your ball toss. That's nice for Hatchinov. Um, the one thing I'll say is he likes a high bounce. Paris might be a lower bounce, but Hatchinov is in really good form right now. He's really confident, and he's got a really big game. And that's what it's going to take to to beat Novak. No one's going to grind him out. Uh, he, it's it's going to take a big game. And you'll see the next three guys I have on this list, they all have big games. Number two is Stefanos Tsitsipas, who, in my opinion, is hitting his backhand better than I've ever seen. He's accelerating. He's hitting it flatter. He's hitting it uh, heavier and more penetrating. And Djokovic is, uh, he's beaten Novak Djokovic, so he has that confidence going for him. He's got a big serve and a big forehand. And he can hold serve against Novak, probably. As long as he um, hits his forehand with as much sting. But when, when Djokovic beat, or when Tsitsipas beat Djokovic in Canada... I think the biggest thing was Djokovic would make a half-decent return and Tsitsipas' forehand would be so good that and so aggressive that it wouldn't matter that Djokovic hit a half-decent return. Tsitsipas would still start the point um, kind of dictating and with a leg up on the point. Novak's defense, I think, since then has improved um, and I think his defense is like sort of kind of pretty much at the peak of where of where it's ever been at the moment and I know it's hard to reconcile that for people because it's been such a sudden kind of resurgence and jump back to peak Novak Djokovic but um the defense will be better um in Paris than Tsitsipas had to deal with in Canada number one is Kevin Anderson coming off a title Playing really, really well against uh, Kane Ishikori. And again, a guy who is not known for kind of get becoming, you know, kind of sizzling hot in a tennis match. When it comes to guys who, who we think about that can really, can really start feeling themselves and, and hit and playing some kind of redlining tennis. Gail Monfils, Fabio Fanini. Uh, Federer, certainly. Um, you know, who are some other guys with, with that, with that razzle dazzle? You don't really think about Kevin Anderson, but Kevin Anderson will, will, will have matches and he'll go on streaks where 
this guy's a big hitter. This guy's an aggressive, a pretty aggressive baseliner. Sometimes he can be more aggressive, or he should be more aggressive, against the Nadals and the Djokovic's, and he's too passive against those guys. But this is a guy who hits really, really big, and he'll go a whole set and make two unforced errors. And he's got the big serve, which in the past hasn't bothered Djokovic, but remember, he just beat him in Chicago for uh, Laver Cup. And in that match, the serve was really effective against Djokovic. So number one and number two, Tsitsipas and Anderson, are two of the last guys to have beaten Novak. Uh, two guys with really big games, low margin, or not low margin games, but, but aggressive games that are suited for indoor hard courts where you can kind of thread the needle a little bit more, where you're going to hit a little bit cleaner. Number three, Karen Hatchinov, kind of similar deal there. And the reason Hatchinov is number three is because I don't really like his tactics as much against Djokovic as I do with uh, Tsitsipas and Anderson. And then four and five are two guys who might be the better players compared to three, the three I have above them. I mean, Nadal and Federer, if, if Djokovic wasn't in the tournament, I might pick Federer to win Paris. I might pick Nadal to win Paris. Probably not, but maybe. But when it comes to beating Novak Djokovic, I think it's going to take someone who he's a little bit less comfortable with. Um, I'll say a notable admission is Marin Cilic. Just a quick check on, on Cilic's results, and he seems to do this at the end of the year, but um, I have it on the screen, but for audio, I'll read it out loud. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you haven't already. Um, and I'll put that link in the subscri uh, subscription. Description. Chilich lost to Query in Davis Cup. He lost to Struff in Tokyo. He lost to Nicholas Yari in, uh, or Yari rather, in Shanghai. And he lost to Kopel in Basel. So that's why Chilich is not in the top five guys who can challenge Djokovic. He's been pretty bad recently. Okay. Time to move on. I have espresso today. Mm, delicious. Let's talk about these finals. Start with Federer. I don't know what Federer fans' expectations were coming into this tournament. But this was a struggling Roger Federer. This is a Roger Federer who has not shown his best stuff in the second half. So what did we expect here? Did we expect Roger Federer to come into Basel and sweep everyone and look super comfortable and, and win an easy title? I, I, I know that's not what I expected. The panic level was, a, was kind of... People were a little bit too surprised that Federer was struggling. I'll say that. What did I see? I saw his forehand once again being the main culprit, uh, the main shot that, that would abandon Federer. When he was when when he was playing poorly in Basel, and I saw a lot of good tennis and bad tennis within one match. I didn't see like any steadiness out of Federer, at least in his first three matches. He fought through him. He got through him. Medvedev, he played really really well against. Medvedev's coming off a title. Uh, he. I don't think that... I thought he was pressing way too much against Federer. He's playing too aggressively. He, he, he felt a lot of pressure, I felt, to 
make better balls than than he really needed to, and he didn't really trust his movement against Roger. But that was also kind of what Federer does to you for when 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 he has such a potent attack, you have guys not playing with enough margin and not trusting their defense and their movement enough. And that was Medvedev to me. And Federer played an, a, a really solid match against Medvedev. And then against Kopel. I know it's Marius Kopel. He's not the biggest name. He's not a top 10 player. He's not a top 20 player. But the guy had beaten Marin Cilic. He had just beaten Sasha Zverev. And he's got a hugely aggressive game on an indoor hard court, a, a, a huge serve, a really big, aggressive, flat, one-handed backhand, a forehand that he's able to, to play really close to the lines when... Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty <laughs> presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.